Let's open the word of prayer. Father, just thank you so much for this awesome opportunity to gather in your house, Lord, together as your people. Lord, just be with us as we uh, engage you in worship this morning, Lord. Open the eyes and ears of our hearts so that we can hear what you have for us this morning, Lord, and let us leave this place on fire for you. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. My name's Ryan Willis. I'm the youth pastor here at Eastside Baptist Church. If you're a visitor with us, we want to say welcome and thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, if you haven't yet, please stop by our visitor's table in the back, and we have a small gift that we would like to present to you. Um, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who participated Wednesday night. We had a great time. Uh, we didn't really advertise in the community, but we still had a huge community turnout, and it was awesome just to see everybody roll with it and just keep going. Thank you to the cooks who made so many pancakes, uh, to all the creative trunks and everything. That was awesome. Uh, just a couple of announcements to go over. Tuesday night, um, the Mary Hearts are going to join together with the youth group. Uh, we're going to have some food, some fun games, so please join us for that at 6 o'clock uh, over in the Fellowship Hall. We'll have a great time with that. Also, we're getting ready, gearing up for a lot of new Christmas offering, that kind of thing. We've got the Jingle for Jesus 5K. If you're like me and don't run unless something's chasing you, you are still welcome to, to be a part of that. Um, you can walk, because I will walk. It's not going to be a run for me. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you have children, you'd like to push them in a stroller, that's perfectly fine, too. Then parents of children and preschoolers, your child was given a sock. Um, they're going to sock it to a lot of you. Um, so they've been given instructions on what to fill those socks up with. Uh, so just have those turned back in by December the 6th. All right, thank you. Let's have a good time to worship this morning. Thank you. Everybody, everybody stand and welcome those around you. Come back and worship with us. <laughs>
so good that we can come and worship uh, a Heavenly Father um, without fear and without shame and without ignorance. We can come freely and do that. And uh, along with that goes a song that we sang in last week and we're going to sing again this week. Your grace finds me. Uh, we are so uh, blessed as, as believers, blessed as children of God to be able to experience the grace of God in everything that we do. No matter where we're at, uh, what's going on in our life, God's grace is there, God's grace is true, and God's grace is available. Um, so let's just worship and give her that grace.
was like, wow, and I wanted to get to the other um, But uh, yesterday I was uh, I was talking about running the 5K. I was, I've got a half marathon. I'm gonna run it next weekend. And so I had to run 10 miles yesterday and nothing was chasing me or anything like that. Um, I was running, uh, I got up early, about 6.30, started running and I was coming down on Perkins Mill towards 301 and it was still early so the crazy cars weren't coming by running me off the road yet. Um, but towards 301 the sunrise was coming up and I was listening to my uh, the music on my phone, and um, you know, just it was just amazing. The, the sunset it was quiet. I mean, the sunrise it was quiet. Um, just the greatness of God kind of kind of jumped over me, jumped all over me, and uh, to see His creation, and to see that we get to uh, to think about the fact that we get to be a part of it, we get to free, freely worship the God who created all of this. Um, uh, is should we should think about that daily, but and not all the time. But at this is that moment um, we take it for granted so much. Uh, just just the great God that we serve and the great things that we can do. And as I um, kept running, and the song came on my phone that said was just talking about you know. Um, there's so many times in our in our faith that we don't give it our all. That we get complacent, um, and and I, I was thinking, okay, here's this beautiful sunset, this I mean sunrise, this great God, and here's this song, man, and it was talking to me, this guy speaking to me, I I, I get, and I I'm not alone, I don't think y'all can tell me if I'm wrong, but I get complacent, um, and I feel like a lot of us do in our world, we don't, it's not fresh every day. I don't know, we don't we don't come in with a desire to truly worship Him and to truly be all that God has called us to be. And if that's not you guys, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get, get somebody else to, to lead worship. But that's me on a regular basis um, to some extent. Um, and uh, as, I, as I kept running, this little chorus just came in my head that we sing, we've sung many times. The Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With Thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary uh, for you. Um, and this is my prayer for myself today. Um, and my prayer for you, no matter where you're at. And God, as we're here, as we worship together today, as we leave this place and walk this walk of faith with the creator of the world, that we would be completely open to God holding us and making us into something that can be used. And when the fire comes, can be found tried and true because we serve a God that's tried and true. Um, and if you haven't tried and found him true, you need to try because he will be true. Um, so we're just going to sing through it a couple of times. Um, we're going to take up our offering. We're going to have a little special uh, music in, and we're going to dig into the word. And you don't have to come yet. You can wait. Um, but uh, we, um, you know, let's just be prepared to hear God's word and hear him speak to us today. If, if something's tugging, pulling at you, distraction, uh, you know, pray that just lay it down in the corner. And let's just be ready for God's word to, to pierce those symptoms to shake us today as we sing.
last many weeks we have been looking at Paul's epistle to the Colossians, and it has been a great blessing to me in my life looking at it, and I hope it has encouraged you. We are toward the end, and so there's really just two uh, messages left, and one of them is basically a biographical sketch of uh, friends of the Apostle Paul, and just looking at, his, at their lives, and then his closing statement. And so, we're going to cover that tonight and next Sunday night. This morning, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1. I love to preach. I'm not very good at it, but it's what God has called me to do, so I love doing it. But sometimes, and I read an article this week that was very high-opening and uh, self-checking for me. And it, the title of the article was The Selfie Preacher. And you know, they say that uh, the average American teenage girl takes at least uh, one, oh, let's see how it's said, uh, one hour worth of selfies a day. But the article uses that as an example for preachers that sometimes may be much more charismatic and uh, capable than I, but uh, when it got to telling stories and things, I saw a niche in, in my life and a place that sometimes, whether I mean to or not, it diverts attention away from the Lord. I say all that to say this, today I don't have any pithy sayings. I do not have any grand quotes from any deep theologian or otherwise. I just simply want to open to you the scriptures. Share what God told Isaiah to tell Judah. You see, at this time, in chapter 1, as he opened the prophecy, he very clearly delineates that God was speaking through Isaiah. God's called us to be His mouthpiece. Not just me, all of us. We are proclaimers if we're a child of God. If His salvation is in you, the story should come out of you. God has called us to tell the world Jesus saves. Well, in the first 17 verses, God instructs Isaiah to relate the information to his people and to the land of Judah all the sins and the guilt of their lives. If there was a title for the message this morning, it would simply be this. Court is now in session. As you go along through, if you've ever been on a jury or you've ever been at the plaintiff or at the defendant's table, or in the rare occasion, behind the bench. You know that there are different things. And one, one of the first things 
The very first thing, everybody files into the courtroom. They've all walked in. And then everybody's sitting down and they're talking and they're stirring and they're discussing what's going to go on. And they, if it's a criminal case, they have the DA and the, uh, the states planted there. And then they usher in the defendant. And then after a moment, the bailiff or the court security uh, agent will walk in and say what? All right. And the respect for the judge. You don't call a judge by his first name or her first name. You refer to them as judge. They sat in judgment over the case. Today, without physically standing, I want you to prepare your hearts and your life to understand, as Matt said, we become complacent in our life. We become complacent in who God is. I want us to understand right now, in the scheme of eternity, court is in session. And God is on the throne. And so we need to stand in respect of our spirit to a holy God. And so with that being understood, he tells them in the first 17 verses, the first part of the court case. He said, you're guilty. You've done all kinds of things. You have left me. He said, an ox knows his own owner, and the donkey knows his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people does not consider. He says, you don't listen. You rebel. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned. Your strangers have, have devoured it, even in your presence. Does it sound familiar to our world today. He goes on in the latter parts after verse 18 and speaks of their refusal to obey, their rebellion. He speaks of their adultery. He speaks of all kinds and manners of transgression and sin. But right smack dab in the middle of this court case, he says these words in verse 18, come now. Not tomorrow, not in a convenient season, as Felix said, when it all seems to fit into our little time frame, he says, come now and let us reason together. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now I want to look at this one verse for just a few minutes. And I want us to explore the depths of what our God is trying to tell the people of Israel in that day and trying to tell us even now. He begins by saying, come now. So we see the urgency of the hour. But then he said, let us reason together. The whole idea here is not that we sit around like they did at the Oropagus at Mars Hill. When Paul approached all of those prognosticators, all the great thinkers of the day, it's not up to us to come and mentally and logically and psychologically figure out God. What this text literally means when he says, let us come now and reason together, it means to decide even in court. It means to sit down and make a judgment. 
Well, it's not us to make the judgment. For we are the judge. God has told them that. You have rebelled. You have run. Your sin is ever before me. What we want to see today in this court case is all the evidence has been presented. And we have been found guilty. Those of us who think we're all right. Those of us who may, sitting here today, think we're good enough. Those of us who think that we have somehow attained. Let me assure you today, if that was the case, then Jesus wasted His blood. And there's no reason for Him to die. Thus making Him a liar and our religion utterly useless. But the truth is, you're messed up. You're a vessel that can hold no water, and apart from Jesus Christ, you and I are nothing. And that our religion is true. Jesus really did die on the cross. Amen? Now, I know this is heavy stuff right now. Hang on. Let us get through. But we got to get through the first part to get to the end. It's kind of like eating your vegetables to get to dessert. Understand with me. I want you to see the two colors that he mentioned here. The color of scarlet and the color of red. He said, though your sins be as scarlet. You see, the word scarlet, this color scarlet, is very, very bright. It's a, a shining, almost metallic red. And it's made from an insect that uh, uh, in those days this special insect would be crushed up and it was such a deep dye that it was a permanent color. It was fixed. It was that stain you could not wash out. The word red here is the Hebrew word aldom to show blood or to show guilt, to flush in the same idea that we become blushed by sin or we become embarrassed to blush or to become flush to turn rosy in embarrassment this crimson is the worm it's the color derived from being crushed church i want us to see our dna evidence in our guilt today our guilt's position the Bible tells us in Romans 3, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so with that being said, I want you to notice something about Isaiah 1.18. First of all, guilt cannot be washed away by our own religion. Our own ideas of getting rid of this deep dyed stain of sin in our life cannot be removed that way. We can well out. We've got a portable baptistry we use over here when we baptize in the rock. We have a fixed baptistry though. You can be baptized over here every Sunday morning, over there every night, and three times on Wednesday, and you'll never wash away the sins of your life. You can go, as I did one time, to the very banks of the Jordan River where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was baptized, where John the Baptist would take those down 
and baptized them in the water. And no doubt in the same area where the Ethiopian eunuch Philip baptized him. They all began to line up that day in 1986 to go down into that Jordan River and be baptized. And I've told you the story several times. I stood there and they looked over at me and said, Are you, aren't you coming? I said, no, I'm not coming. They said, why? This is the Jordan River. I said, big whooping deal. They said, you don't understand. I said, you don't understand. It's not going to do anything but make me wet and nasty. They said, yeah, but it's where Jesus. I said, I'm walking where Jesus walked. I don't have to get wet. The truth is, I met Jesus years ago. And through his blood, I've been set free. That water couldn't do anything but ceremoniously make me feel good. Understand, it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. You're guilty. Recently, there's been several court cases in the news where people who have been convicted and spent two and three decades in prison, they come up with some evidence now and they're able to, evidence that's been in storage lockers for, for decades, they bring it out, they, they do new DNA testing, and I agree, look, if you've ever worked in jail, you've ever been around it, they're all innocent, just ask them. But the truth is, there is some, because there's the human element. And there are some that have been proven innocent because of DNA. That DNA is even more specific than a thumbprint. And you and I understand that our DNA tells us that we are guilty. Our sins have proven out the very essence of our makeup. Why? Because in Adam, we all are born sinners. Our, look, they can take our blood and prove by DNA who we are. I'm telling you, by that same blood, we are guilty before God. We'll get to his DNA later. But you see, you can't wash it away with religion. And you can't wear it away with hard work. Some of us, we, we can work hard, man. We can volunteer for everything. Look, you can fry pancakes, cook spaghetti suppers. You can go out and run a hundred miles for Jesus jingling all the way. But if you didn't know Jesus when the race started, you're probably not going to know him any better when the race is over. Unless you get really desperate somewhere like I would and start breathing and think you're going to die. And you say, oh Lord, Jesus, save me. But beside that, you cannot wear off the sin. One time, as a teenager, I was trying to do something. I had a can of spray paint. Something happened and the nozzle broke off. And when it did, blew up in my face. I, I turned about the time that it went off. And I looked like Two-Face, an old Batman. When I turned, it just caught me from about here over. But it was just a big yellow splotch on this side of my face. And I would take Q-Tex. The only thing I needed to do, and I took Mother's fingernail polish remover, and I'd take that thing on a rag and scrub. And I, I honestly, I don't think that it took it off. I think I just basically sanded off the outer layer of my face to get that yellow paint off. 
Well, I'm here to tell you, you can't rub hard enough in your life. You can't work hard enough to work away your sin. Because it has been so deeply dyed in us. Because here, here's what you've got to understand. You don't wake up one day and decide, you know what? I'm going to knock off a liquor store and I will kill the people who own it and I'm going to go and rape and pillage and join ISIS and, and kill Christians and become an evil person then. You were born evil. You were born that precious, wonderful child. When they take them, they say, it's a boy. It's a girl. They can just as easily and even more truthfully say, it's a sinner. We're born sinners. Children, I love you. Man, there's the greatest day of my Sunday, every Sunday. I love all of you. But all of you old people like me, but y'all, I love you to death. When all these little girls, all these precious children come up and hug me, love on me, that makes my day. It makes, y'all make my day. You look up and see me now singing in the choir. I'm so proud of y'all. It just thrills me to death. But you know what? Without Jesus, and they get it. They get it. They know. They've been born again. They get it. They understand. Without Jesus, they're helpless. They're sinners. All of us. No matter how, we cannot work hard enough. That's because our sin is red. They're scarlet. They're, they're dyed into us. And they cannot be cut out. The Bible says that His Word is so clean, so sharp, and so cutting that it can separate even bone from marrow, and it can get away from our sins. We can't wash it away. We can't wear it away. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of your sales. It's a what? A what? A gift. Man, I have been gifted over the last few weeks. From white snowball cakes to white fuzzy puppies. Wild man's fasting, sweet, precious puppy. Y'all know what I mean? We named him Dove. You say, what? It's biblical. He looks like a little polar bear. He looked like a little short snouted white polar bear. So I did what any preacher, good preacher, did. I got out my strongest concordance and I looked at that bear in it. And I found over there in the Old Testament, the place where the word bear is, the conjunction of dobe or dobe and dobe, it comes together and it means strong bear. When Elisha was locked in the wilderness and he called for the sheep bears to come out of the woods and it ate all the kids, that's the name. Now, I didn't, I'm not creating him to kill kids. I, uh, we had him out front porch when the trick trainers come by. They all loved on those. But he's, he looked like a little bear, so we gave him a biblical name. That's what Dobie. Not Dobie Gillis, not something from some witch's movie. No, his name, biblically, was Strong Bear in the Old Testament. But I've been gifted. Y'all have blessed me beyond me. You really have. But there's something, even in your greatest intentions, 
My mom and daddy loves me more than y'all do. Why, I don't know. There's something they couldn't give me. Mamas and daddies, we can give them cars, we can give them educations, we can give them talent. We can give them their heart's desire. We can give them their own room with their own... It used to be, if you had your own phone in your room, I mean, you were me as far as we were concerned. Because all we had was one had about a 70-foot cord that hung on it. And it hung on the wall in the kitchen. You'd have to pull that thing somewhere and try to talk quietly. No, that's how we learn to talk quietly. But then somebody said, they've got their own phone number. You're kidding me. They must be, they must be new. And now nine-year-olds have cell phones. You want me to call you? What, really? You cannot gift your child with grace. You can be graceful in Christ. You can't give them Jesus. You can tell them all about Jesus, but they, listen, like the old saying said, you got to do your own living, your own dying, and you're going to stand accountable for who you are. Whether in Christ or out of Christ. You can point fingers at everybody else. I had a girl in my first church. We were doing background checks when that became the thing you, you had to do because of some terrible incidents. And I met with a deacon, small church, and I met with the deacons and I said, we need to do background checks on all of our children or student workers, any Sunday school teachers. Anybody takes you know me anyone, well, we're going to do background checks. He said, we don't need to do that. We're a small church. We know everybody. I said, is that right? They said, yeah, we know everybody. I mean, we only have Amy and Sunday school. We know everybody. I said, okay. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your side. If you can answer this question, then I'll totally agree and I'll drop the subject. But if you can't answer my question, we're going to do background checks. Are y'all good with that? And they said, yeah, I guess. What's your question? I said, tell me. Which church member did 18 months in the federal penitentiary for robbing a bank? They looked at me and they were like, you're making this up. I said, oh, no, I'm not. I said, you see, number one, who do you think it is? Oh, we don't want to judge. We don't want to make him mad. I said, say you already don't know because it's not a him, it's a her. I said, she was the driver. She didn't fully comprehend, but she was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. She knew that. Then she did 18 months in the federal penitentiary because they come running out of the bank and said, go. And she was with them. I said, you see, number one, you don't know the heart of everybody. And we need to understand that we cannot fix Ourself. You can't wish it away. We can sit there and cross our fingers and our legs and everything else and we can hope with our emotions, but it's a hope also to hope we're going to be okay. Have you ever asked somebody, do they know Jesus Christ or better, better yet? Do you ever say, do you know you're going to heaven? And they'll say, well, I hope so. If you've ever been a witness at all, somebody's told you that. Well, I hope I go to heaven. Well, see, it's more than a hope so. It's got to be a no-so. You've 
You can't hold your nose in the head. You can't clink your heels three times. You just can't do it. I, I've been some places. I've I'd cleaned them 30 times to get out of where I was at. There's some places I've been, I'm thinking, God, how did I get here? And if you love me, why'd you let my stupid self do what I did? But you have to work your way out. But I'm here to tell you, you can't work your way out of this. You cannot hope your way out of the wretchedness that is seen. You're going to die going to hell like Jesus. Those who are saved, say amen. amen. I mean, do y'all agree with that? Yeah. If not, I may throw this Bible away and walk out that door. Because this is not about me. It's not about the deacons. It's not about man. It's not about the musicians. It's not about Eastside. It's about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know what that song even means, Lord? Prepare me to be a sanctuary. It means that we're willing to allow Him to clean out the clutter of our life. To completely clean our tent out so that He can take up residence in us. Prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy, tried and true. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to be tried. To be put through the fire. We've got to allow God to take up residence in our life. To take over in our life because, listen, emotionally, we cannot ride this wave and roller coaster of the next big thing, the next cool fad, and everything's all right until you bottom out. We're living in that today. Stress-filled, anxiety-driven life. Up and down, up and down. But listen, it's amazing how that roller coaster can level out when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and let Him handle it. You can't wish it away. You can't hide it away. We tuck it away in relationships. Look, men, especially you men, listen to me. Because you God got it. You've been blessed with a godly wife doesn't mean you're godly. Because you've got a godly wife who's faithful and serves the Lord and teaches your children about Jesus don't mean you're going to die and go to heaven. Amen. Amen. And women, because you're sweet and you cook the best and you take care of your grandkids does not mean you're going to heaven. You cannot stand before God innocent without the blood of Jesus Christ. Your sins is an embarrassment eyes of God. That's the red. He's, you ever heard this thing that he saw red? Or, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm so, so mad I can just see red. It, we're an embarrassment. We are God's creation, but we have allowed sin to impact our lives so that apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, when God sees us, we are an embarrassment. Our sins are vile and wretched. Apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. We can't hide it away in relationships and in things that we put up in front of us. We can't hide. We can't take the secular ideas of this world and deny it away. I kind of like to say it and I kind of don't. Because it seems to cheapen our side of the faith, but Listen to the intent of the story. If someone who claims to be an atheist 
Someone who claims that God's not real or this whole idea of salvation isn't the way. That Jesus isn't the only way. We've been hearing a lot of that lately. Oprah had a big show on the other day about all the roads leading to one place. If you went to the fair, if you went by the Baha'i booth, Baha'i Barith, the, the, that uh, a false religion, they were showing all different, different sources, one, one place. If you saw any of that, and all that lie, and all the stuff that, listen. I told a Jehovah's Witness friend of mine one time, I said, let's just stop and think about this in the most practical and logical way. Let us reason together, if you will, in the logical sense. If you're right, and Jesus really didn't die for our sins, and the Holy Spirit isn't really the third person of the Godhead, and it's just God, and if we don't believe, then we just die and are annihilated. We cease to exist. And everything I've lived for, I've lost nothing. I was just wrong. But I won't even know that because I will cease to exist. If I'm right. And I am not because I'm right, but because He's right in me. If, I, if I'm right, Jesus really is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who really did die for the sins of mankind. And the Holy Spirit is real and convicts us of our sin and convinces us of the Son of God. And you lost it. Church, we cannot figure out. We cannot deny. We cannot humanistically reach our nirvana of this world if we do not put Jesus first and foremost in our life. And it's amazing how our mindsets change when He is the main thing. Be careful how enlightened you get. Hear what I'm saying? Careful how open-minded you are. God never called us to have an open mind. He called us to have an open heart. That our minds belong to Him. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. A humbled mind. Making Himself a little lower than the angels. Church. We can't deny the way. We can't determine the way. You know, we get up and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be honest with you. I have flirted with the idea of trying to get ready to run Jingle for Jesus. <laughs> because I just believe in mission. Not to prove anything else but that. And I need to probably lose a little weight and get a little better in shape. So, you know, don't kill me. Maybe it'll make me a little stronger. Maybe I'll feel a little bit better. I even went in there and I said, Ethan, will you run it with me? Yeah, I guess. You mean to. He's afraid he'll have to carry me. But you know, I can get up there in the morning. It was a good idea. But if I don't ever go out there and put my foot on the road and say, go, no matter how determined I am, I know I won't finish it. I won't make it. You and I can be as determined as we want to be to get to heaven. We can be as sincere as we want to die go to hell if you don't believe Jesus Christ. Because you're guilty. 
He said, come, let us see the matter before you are guilty. But here's the wonderful news. This is the news the world doesn't tell you at 6 o'clock. This is the news that they don't run during the debates. This is the news that the world wants to deny. He tells us in Romans, once again, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. There is not a period and exclamation point at the end of that verse. What we do see, hey, that's cool, wouldn't it? Squirrel. Somebody fly this up here. That's cool. Uh, you hear me, squirrel? Thank God. It doesn't end at verse 23. Are you looking at your Bible? You say, oh, I quote. No, I want you to look. Don't you look at the grammatical buildup here. As it was transliterated from Greek into English, I want you to tell me what's after God. Is it an exclamation point? Is it a period? Come on, you English majors. What's that after the word God at the end of verse 23? Come. 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 Semicolon. It means what? It means that's not all, right? It means there's something else. It's what our, uh, my advisor and all that Turabian business in seminary says, whatever you do, no comma slices. No comma slices. You make very clear, concise sentences. Say what you're going to say in that sentence. Don't comma splice. You just write another sentence if you don't say something else the next sentence. But what the Apostle Paul didn't care about English. The Apostle Paul went with run-on sentences and everything. But listen to what he said to the church of Rome. He said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Semicolon or comma. Being justified freely, completely opposite. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Then we have the old but. But the gift of God You see, we've saw guilt's position, our DNA, and, and the red, the scarlet, nasty, embarrassing, deep-dyed guilt and shame. Notice what he said. Though they be this color, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, perfection's in contrast. Tell us Jesus paid it all. Amen. He paid the price. For as Jesus hung on the cross with a crown of thorns thrust on his brow and nails driven through his hands and his feet, blood streaming down his back from where he had been beaten and chunks of flesh ripped off his back, open and exposed nerve endings and muscle tendons and ligaments there with the salt of his sweat mingled with the blood as it ran down and trickled off his body and fell to the ground every drop shed. 
difference is his blood was pure. For it goes all the way back to the prophecy of Genesis that her seed would be incorruptible. No sin in him. How many here today are convinced that Jesus never sinned? Amen? Right. How many believe he was born of a virgin? Amen? Alright, any of you don't believe that? Because look, this is not the place for you. Because I'll tell you, that's not a doctrine I'm going to give on. We're never, ever, 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 never going to belittle the fact that Mary was a virgin. For that was the only way to carry the incorruptible seed. And the Holy Spirit of God overshadowed her. Not in some sick, twisted mind of some false religion, some cultist idea of some relationship between God and Mary. No, the Holy Spirit just simply overshadowed her. The angel came and said, I bring great tidings. Bring tidings of great joy. Mary, you're with child. Can you imagine what went through her mind? Do you think Sarah laughed when they said she was going to have a baby as old as she was? Can you imagine the initial instinct of this young girl? And here's the difference. Sarah was old. She had learned to become cynical. Mary was still young, still had a childlike heart. And so when God spoke to her through the angel and said, you're going to have a child. Though she knew it was physically impossible, she knew her God could do all. So she carried the Son of God. A child who would know no sin. A child who would respect his parents on this earth and yet teach them the deep things of God. One who was betrayed and his own rejected him. His own brothers didn't accept him until after his death, burial, and resurrection. Jude and James rejected him until after. His own disciples ran and hid. We need to understand he paid the price. Church. We paid the price. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now I like going out to eat. And every once in a while I go out to eat and somebody say, here, let me get this. Some of you gave us a gift card. I talked about that last week. It's pretty good. Eat what you want. And then say, here. We went to Ocean Gallery the other night and said, well, I've got a card from here. I, I don't even know if there's anything on it. It's been a while. She said, can you run check this and see if there's anything on it? They come back and said, there's $16. Man, it was like Christmas. That's like 16 free dollars. Differences has been right around her pocketbook ever since we got it. Or since the last time. Here's the thing. We've got the gift of God in us. And yet we forget about it. And we live like hell. And we let the things of the world overwhelm us to where we feel like we're the victim. And we're pitiful and there's no hope and there's no help. And we have a holy God who can give birth to a virgin and live his life without sin and die and rise again. Why are we living defeated when we have the gift of eternal life? Just cash it in. 
Just you. Just allow Him. It's not you. It's who gifted you. I didn't pay for that meal the other night. Whoever gifted me with that card paid the meal. I didn't pay the price. Jesus did. Amen. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it. White as snow. He purged the sin. That which was uh, uh, unremovable. That which was so died in. Crushed. Derived it from a worm. Embarrassing. He lifted that stain. Moved it. Made it. Just as pure as the driven snow. He plunged the sin. Talk about how that baptistry can't do it, but I'm going to tell you the blood of Jesus can. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's name. Listen, church. If we, as the song said, as sinners plunge beneath that flow, can lose all our guilty stains, not because of anything we do, but because of that blood. Because of the fountain. Sinners, hear me today. Just allow God to wash you clean. Listen, He's the only one that can produce a saint. He's the only one that can change you. For it was at the cross where we first see the light. Where the burdens of our hearts can all be rolled away. Let us say as the song in retrospect, it was there, past tense, because we trust it. It was there by faith I received my sight. Now, happy all the day. What is it in your life that's holding you back? Is it the fact that you know you're guilty and you just won't face it? Church today, if they come, to the instruments. Let me read it again to you. Listen to these words. Come now. Come now. Church, God, not your preacher, is calling you. Come now. Let us reason together. Let us understand in the scheme of eternity based on God's economics. He has it all and we have nothing. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Will you come today? Will you come and say, God, I can't fix myself. I've tried. I've tried. I've read. I've, I've followed. I've done good. I've been disciplined. I've journaled. I've quiet time. I've had all kinds of stuff. God, I can't fix it. I'm tired. Oh, God, I'm tired. Tired of carrying this load of feeling like I've got to measure up. Now, look, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm not enjoying the fullness of who He is in my life. God, let me come back and be reminded of that court day where I saw my DNA. I saw the guilt and shame and you washed me. Why does snow God remind me? May I be thankful. Lay it all at the altar. Look, what is it you need to come and reason with God together? What is it you need to come and say, look, I'm not trying to tell you how to do it, God, but I need to reason and let you show me 
Let you speak to God. Speak to us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Stay in the
All right, if not, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.